We are the Narrators 3. Elisa, Lynn, and Cho. And this is Once Upon a Rewatch. Welcome to Once Upon a Rewatch, Season 2, Episode 3, Lady of the Lake. The original air date for this episode was October 14th, 2012. It was written by Ian Goldberg and Andrew Chambliss, and directed by Milan Chalov. The title card is Sir Lancelot. We begin our cold open in the enchanted forest of the past, where Red Riding Hood is seen running through a forest and into a campsite. Prince Charming, Snow White, and two others are planning how they will take back the kingdoms. I think it's important to note here that both Snow and Red look so pretty right now in this episode. <laughs> like costumes, hair, everything. So pretty, so badass at the same time. I love them. Are oh, they they're wearing absolutely gorgeous. Special costumes that I foolishly did not take note of because I thought Red was kind of wearing her usual. Red is wearing her usual. Okay. This is the introduction of potentially the best Snow White costume ever. Mm-hmm. And Red's oh. Red's hair is different though. She's got this like side braid thing going on. Mm-hmm. It's like mostly down but also with a side braid and yeah then, i did see the, the side braid that's nice and then like snow's partially swept up look like it's just the styling is is real nice they look real good red then divulges the news regarding king george's new general who has been dubbed the leviathan snow white has just asked how near the army is to them when an arrow shoots into the tent and pierces the map they have been studying suggesting that the king's army is quite close by the group splits up Prince Charming tells Snow White to go ahead without him, as she would have a better chance of escaping alone. He tells her to meet him at the cabin in two days. He adds, I think it's about time you met my mother. The prince tells her this before they kiss and part ways for the moment. The Leviathan sees them from afar and proceeds towards Snow White. The knight attacks Snow White by knocking her to the ground. He removes his helmet and introduces himself as Lancelot. Of the round table? Snow White asks. Not anymore, the knight replies before he abducts her. He like clotheslines her. Like, damn. In this scene, she has a line that's like, what kind of a general like wears the helmet like that or whatever? And I was like, what kind of general just fucking clotheslines people? I think (laughs) is the better question. (laughs) He could have honestly just scooped her, but instead he was like, ka-chow. Yeah, he should have just scooped her up. (laughs) That would have been much more polite. Yeah, he could have just been like, oop, here we go, little missy, because like he's three times Mm -hmm. as big as she is. Yeah, and she's not a short woman. I actually always thought she was short, but she's not. She's like, I mean, she's not tall, but she's like perfectly average, like, Five, yeah, nah, he's, he's just fucking built. He's so handsome, though. He is so handsome, though. On that note, we cue the title card. <laughs> In the present-day Enchanted Forest, an unconscious Mary Margaret is taken care of by Cora while Emma asks her where they are. Cora reveals they are on a little island which their captors called their haven. Emma states that she should not be kept in the prison for long as they did not do anything wrong, to which Cora agrees. She eventually reveals to Emma that she is the mother of Regina, but you don't have to worry about me. The apple fell very far from the tree. Lol. Lol forever. <laughs> liar. Liar. What do you mean? This is Cora. I've done nothing wrong in my life, Mills. I know, right? I just was like, <laughs> sure, bitch. Cora. <laughs> <laughs> oh, She's the worst. <laughs> I love her. I know you do, honey. <laughs> because she's the worst. She, she's, yeah, she's she terrible. She's terrible. <laughs> I mean, she's she's someone you just love to hate. <laughs> Cora surmises that Emma is from the land without magic. Just as she coyly asks how Emma got there, Mary Margaret wakes up and is at once uneasy at seeing Cora again, warning Emma that Cora is far worse than Regina. Cora plays innocent, and Emma wants to hear her out because Henry is stuck with Regina. Emma, 
don't back talk your mom i love that snow just like puts out the soccer mom arm in front of emma it's very good it's just the it's the like soccer mom car reach yeah she it really is. went from zero to total mom in like yeah. five minutes like she's <laughs> known emma was her daughter for like maybe half an hour and she's already just like full mama bear yeah yeah it's really adorable and it's so cute and it's funny because like she does do like the the soccer mom you know reach and jennifer morrison has like a good head on her and is like a little bit more built out so i'm just like this that's adorable oh it's very cute <laughs> i'm like your daughter who can absolutely kick cora's ass oh, i yeah. mean given a one-on-one -on -one fair fight yes yeah sans magic oh so. that's magic emma would have cora snapped in two seconds yeah like, have you seen those fucking guns on her? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Have mercy. Lord have mercy, Emma's guns, which I know I will bring up again later in this episode. And I don't care because I can talk about Emma's guns all day because she hot. She hot. When Cora asks, who is Henry? Emma foolishly reveals he is her son and she kind of shares him with Regina. Hashtag Henry has two moms. Hashtag Henry has two moms. Hashtag Henry has two moms. <laughs> A rope is thrown down the pit by a guard giving the word that the leader of the survivors wishes to speak with them. Back in Storybrooke, handsome Grandpa Charming and Henry Mills walk down the street, discussing a plan on how to retrieve Emma and Mary Margaret. Henry begins a new operation dubbed Operation Scorpion. Henry is so damn cute. I love when he's like, yeah, Scorpion's better. It was it's adorable. Very cute because very cute. David just being like operation scorpion him just be like do you want it to be viper instead <laughs> and he'd be like what he'd be like you're right scorpion's better scorpion's better he's like it's so earnest mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like oh god bless this kid he's so damn cute mm -hmm. but david cuts him off saying that it isn't safe for henry to help henry is hurt that david found jefferson without him and that jefferson cannot help them david makes henry promise not to help and leaves him at the school bus stop instead of going on the bus Henry runs off. Grandpa Charming doesn't know that Henry's alignment is chaotic neutral yet. No. It's also like the first time he's been tasked really with taking care of a child. Yeah, he's gonna yeah. learn. And he's just like, I don't know. Kid, go on bus. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Go on bus. You, you go to school now. Go to school. Be good. Okay, be good. And I'm just like, well, who did they get to sub in for Mary Margaret so quickly? Like, I do love that school is, like, still going when, like, the whole town's kind of in chaos, but. Well, I guess, you know, there's probably. Theory, there's got to be more than one teacher there, right? Yeah, it's probably oh, people yeah. who woke up who maybe were teachers in the Enchanted Forest, and maybe they are like, I need a job and a purpose, please. <laughs> That's well, true. We, we know, if nothing else, that there is, like, a gym teacher. Yes. I mean, we've Frederick seen other teachers. Because that's Frederick, so Frederick. you know, like, maybe he just had to substitute, even though he's totally out of his depth, and it's just like, uh, we're gonna watch a movie today. Yeah, now Frederick has to teach Bird 101. Yep, yeah. which he doesn't know how to do, so he's just like, okay, kids, today we're watching Finding Nemo, because it's the only DVD this school owns. <laughs> Back in the Enchanted Forest, Emma and Mary Margaret have a brief talk about Cora and why Mary Margaret followed her down the portal. Emma thinks that it was because Mary Margaret saw her as helpless, but Mary Margaret explains that she just wanted to be with her daughter. Just then, Lancelot comes out of a hut and immediately recognizes Snow White. The two share a bear hug, and Mary Margaret introduces Emma to him. Can we just take a moment to appreciate how ridiculously hot Lancelot is? Like, sir. Sir. Oh, it's borderline illegal how hot he is. 
but I also think it's really interesting that Emma at this point is willing to accept a lot of fairy tale characters, but Lancelot she's incredulous about. Like, honey, your mom is Snow White and you share a child with the evil queen. He's just too handsome for her to believe he's real. I'll take that. <laughs> also, I was so pumped going into this episode when it first aired because I, I love Sinqua as, as Boyd and Teen Wolf. He's just, uh, he's so handsome. I do think I was a little distracted by Lancelot's hotness, so I'm sure it can be forgiven, but I do think it like it's really sad that Emma's first instinct thinking that why Mary Margaret followed her is because she thought she was helpless. And that's like, it just goes to show like how, how to say damaged she is. That sounds very. No, I get what you're saying. I think, I think it is like a, she's so used to no one believing that she can take care of herself or that she's good enough that like her immediate jump to is like, you only came here because you think I'm incompetent. Yeah. Cause she's just used to being on the defense. Yeah. Cause she's had to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the first person who ever really believed in her was Henry. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. it. She just, it's still such a foreign concept to her. Yeah. Like you said, it's like, it's like been a day. <laughs> so, yeah. From afar, Aurora, still bitter over Philip's death, tells Mulan that she wants justice. Mulan, on the other hand, tells her not to confuse vengeance with justice. Aurora tells Mulan that she understands, but after Mulan leaves, she draws out a concealed dagger and looks back at Emma and Mary Margaret. No, she doesn't, Mulan. She, she's going to do the thing. She's going to disappoint you. I love in this scene that Mulan has no time. She's just like, no, no, bitch, I will not tell you again. <laughs> yeah, it's like, Aurora, listen to your wife. Aurora wakes up every day and chooses violence. <laughs> she does. <laughs> She's just like, my God, this version of Aurora is just so gay for murder. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, I kind of love that, honestly. Yeah. That <laughs> She's just like, no, no, I get it. I'm a demure princess. And it. as soon as anyone turns their back, she's just like, vengeance! It's hilarious. <laughs> Over a feast of Chimera, which Emma likens to Turducken, Mary Margaret tells Lancelot that she thinks she knows where a portal is, but won't say as Cora is near and she is not taking any chances. Lancelot agrees to let them go, but only if she and Emma take Mulan for protection, to which Snow readily agrees, but Emma immediately is like, ugh. There can only be one badass bitch. The shot of like Mulan and Lancelot side by side in their armor is too dreamy, like too many dreamy warriors. So I'm going to start a petition to give Emma some armor so she can join their club. God, Jesus. Yes, please. Mm -hmm. So good. So good. Listen. More shows need to accept the fact that there is nothing hotter than a woman in armor. Yes. Very true. It's very true. Like, please get on, get on this level. And not sexy armor. No. No. No, because like Mulan's got like the perfect, there's, it's nothing sexualized about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's Mulan's perfect. Armor design is and she it's looks so hot as hell in it. And it doesn't so have like weird boob cup and it isn't weirdly revealing in places where you'd clearly be able to be stabbed very easily just for the sake of being titillating. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's functional armor and she looks hot as hell and we need more sexy ladies in functional armor. Like sidebar, but we're all very lucky, I think, that Lucy Lawless was flawless as Xena despite that costume. Oh my God. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, Xena's how I realized I was queer. So yes, I do know what you're saying. (laughs) Yeah. When you're just like, hell yeah. I mean, (laughs) I know everyone can point to the one thing that made them go, 
oh no, maybe I also like girls. And mine was 109,000% watching Xena Warrior Princess. Mine was Jennifer Connelly. Well, most little girls, I have to say, were ogling David Bowie and questioning their gender. Rachel, me too. Their gender identity and everything. I was looking at her going, She's so pretty in Labyrinth. Yeah, I really can't blame the Goblin King. <laughs> I knew we had this in common, Elisa. <laughs> very good. I'm, I'm definitely more of a buff ladies with swords person myself. In the enchanted forest that was, Snow White is brought before King George, who gets Lancelot to give Snow White some water. He reveals to her that he had a true love of his own, which, by the way, sidebar, I found this whole part very laughable because who the hell would be with this man? But that is entirely not where we need to be right now. <laughs> but I remembered that I thought that, so I need to say it. <laughs> but they could not have children because his wife was enchanted by an infertility curse. He then reveals that he has used the same curse on Snow White. The water she has drank has made her barren. There is something innately archaic and creepy about male writers placing this almost reverent premium on childbearing like don't get me wrong eugenics is disgusting and one of my relatives was a victim of compulsory sterilization due to her disability both are equally horrific and it all boils down to asshole men in power who want to control the bodies of women and by women by the way i mean all women fuck off turfs Yes, thank you. I, I was also going to touch on how disgusting it is that there's this prevalent theme in male writing that once you take a woman's ability to have children, she loses all her worth. Like casting women as having nothing else to them other than popping out babies is disgusting. Your worth is in no way tied into whether or not you produce offspring. Not having them or even not choosing to have them doesn't make you less of a woman. And the next man who doubles down on this tired trope is seriously just going to catch my fucking hands because I am tired. This plot line just makes me feel real icky. And if I remember correctly, it happens one more time to another character in flashbacks. So like, fuck this plot line and, and fuck King George. I hate this guy. Like, it's absolutely unforgivable and awful that he did this to her. Yeah, because I mean, ultimately it comes down to like taking away her, her bodily autonomy, as you had discussed, which is fucking unforgivable. But it's like, it's men need to stop. Yeah, men need to stop. Men, need, men just need my to sum up. Yeah, men need to stop. Men need to stop. stop. This stop. is gross. Stop. stop. Be better. Stop. And be just be smarter and more clever. Like this is so redundant. Yeah, this trope is tired. It's been done a million times. I mean, yeah. let it. Please let it rest again. in peace. Yeah, just, just fucking let it. bury it. I'm over it. Yeah, it's ridiculous and disgusting. And it's it's the exact same moment of seat ripping aggression I had when Joss Whedon pulled that shit with Black Widow. Yeah, that was awful. Like literally being like, I'm a monster because I can't have children was the most like, one of the most upsetting like theater experiences I've ever had. Like yeah. watching that. Like yeah. I've never, uh, I saw Red, I almost left the theater. I want the time of my life that I gave to Age of Ultron back. Yeah. Right, me yeah. too. No, it made me feel awful. Awesome, that but, like, movie felt... was fucking long and it was terrible. It was, it was terrible. It was terrible. Ugh. Don't get me wrong. The fact that King George took away Snow's choice and autonomy over her body is what's super gross here. Yeah. But then also the reverence of childbearing overall and like yeah, how it's definitely sacred apparently it is. Yeah, it's is, definitely painted as like the ultimate that a woman can achieve is yeah. bearing children. Yeah. yeah. And without that, 
she's stripped of all worth. Yeah, and it goes back again to kind of issues that we've had in past episodes about the importance of blood relations. Yep. When, Mm -hmm. no, like, do not devalue adoption. To be fair, King George did love James. He never treated him differently. Like, they were a great pair as far as, like, father and son go. I'm not talking about, like, their politics or shit like that. I'm just talking about, like, he loved James. But, like we don't really get to see that and see like the childhood aspect of that and see him raising him and like treating him. We just a minute and a half of fondness before he gets, you know, stake through the heart. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Skewered. Exactly. So we know these things just like how we know Regina wiped Henry's butt and sang to him and Mm -hmm. cuddled him and cared for him and everything. Like these, these are things we just innately know, but only get either very small glimpses of or nothing. But I'm just like, you know, it's okay. Even if Snow White, because obviously we know that she gives birth to Emma. So no spoiler there that the curse gets broken or somehow. But even if she had to go to Rumpelstiltskin, Rumpelstiltskin apparently has all these hookups to like babies. So he's got a whole room full of him. I know. And he'd be like, oh, I'll get you a baby. And he'd just open the door and like 20 would fall out and he'd be like, point. I heard you're in the market for a, a baby. Point. I got a which baby. One, which one, one which pleases one, which you? One you want? This one's got red hair. This one's got curly point. hair. This one's got freckles. You want freckles? I got freckles. Get you freckles. I'll get you freckles. I got them in all shapes and sizes. Which one's calling to you? Look at Two that. for one special going fast. Exactly. So what's the present day Enchanted Forest doing, Lynn? I'm so glad you asked. Mulan is giving Emma and Mary Margaret a scary ass pep talk. And then she tells them to arm themselves and pick their weapons wisely. Emma gets back the gun that was taken from her when she was captured. Mary Margaret reveals her plan is to go to the castle and to see if the magic wardrobe is still there. Emma in the scene is just like, oh, this, this gal's intense. Maybe she's, maybe she is more badass than me. Maybe I have to pass her my red jacket. I think, yeah, Emma is definitely having like a, a little internal crisis because she is definitely used to being the baddest bitch in the room. Uh-huh. And, and the only one who has been toe-to-toe with her is Regina, who she has, I think, compartmentalized in her head and categorized and labeled as she bad Mm -hmm. so I also think it's kind of important to note just like the raw amount of sexual tension Mulan has with every single woman she talks to yes it's yes it's because I definitely was like oh goodness when her and Emma were talking to each other good it's so good because I definitely I definitely feel like Emma kind of has like an oh no am I into this oh no am I into this oh no (laughs) yeah wait is this a thing (laughs) is this a thing oh no I might be Oh shit! Bisexual. <laughs> and she's already had a few, uh, a few little moments there with Regina. Oh, she so definitely I, has. So I think, I think this part with Mulan is just making her question. Yeah, I feel, like I feel like further. this is just being like, oh shit. <laughs> she's like, I could have, you know, shrugged off Regina as just, you know, a fluke, a fluke in the moment. We're two <laughs> badass bitches, but no, no. Now Xena, warrior princess here, comes God damn looking it, around and <laughs> I'm. Bye. 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 Both is good, I guess. Both is good, I guess. Henry has found hot boy Jefferson. Hot boy. As he sits on the docks, looking at an adorable hand-drawn picture of himself, Grace has made in the hope someone has seen him. (laughs) Sad goth dad. I know. So sad. Cute little sad sack. Henry tries to find out from him if there is magic in Storybrooke and learns that Regina has brought her vault with her. He tells Jefferson to go and find his daughter, but Jefferson is worried Grace hates him because he left her. 
Henry reminds Jefferson that he was left too. She will spend her whole life wondering why he left her and not knowing is the worst. Henry is just like, get your head out of your ass and go see your kid, you weird, sad goth. (laughs) Henry giving our sad emo Steve Punk Kimbo dad Jefferson this lovely pep talk is just so sweet. It's very sweet. And honestly, our boy was really going to be the only one who'd be able to do it. Anyone else, he was just going to scramble away from like a stray cat again. Yeah. Jefferson, I think, respects Henry because, again, he knew. Mm -hmm. all this whole time about the curse jefferson i mean and i think he just respected henry for figuring it out and oh it's a game respects game kind of thing yeah 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 and plus i mean you know he's got a soft spot for kids and also he's got dad energy so he's he's got dad energy will you be my son Only my daughter likes me anymore. Can I adopt you? <laughs> Will you come over for tea parties with your stuffed animals? And they're just really like, hell cute. yeah, I'll come over for tea parties. <laughs> yeah. I, best day ever. I really love this little scene. And I think it's yeah. great we, we get to have these little moments with Henry using like knowledge from the books to actually help those around him. I yeah. think that's, that's, it's really sweet. He's, he's so sweet with our favorite sad goth dad. Henry's really like a budding Archie. <laughs> Like he's just giving, doling out the therapy to everybody. (laughs) He's a very good boy. He's a very good boy. Do you have your emotional support, Henry? (laughs) Have you talked to your emotional support, Henry, today? (laughs) We should all have an emotional support, Henry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Meanwhile, Regina's in the mayor's office, packing when her cell phone rings. It's Henry. She tells him that she is packing up her office as she has been asked to leave. She agrees to meet him at Granny's for lunch in 10 minutes. She picks up her purse and quickly exits. Henry enters from an interior door and goes directly to a file cabinet, which he opens and from which he removes a large set of keys. Okay, Henry's awesome career and larceny aside, Regina being so vulnerable and genuinely happy when he calls to like invite her to hang out is so cute. That boy does just have so much criminal activity under his belt at this point. He's not even in middle school yet. Yeah, I know. I'm really trying to think. I'm like, okay, out of all the crimes that I committed before I was in middle school, I mean, they were all very petty. You know, where I did nothing. I don't think I committed a single crime. Of course you didn't, honey. You live in constant fear of getting in trouble. I do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, you know, I was like a little, I was a little thief. I didn't steal big things. It was more like bazooka gum. You know, you never stole your teacher's credit card to say, yeah, Henry's escalated. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, no, I never, you know, I can say even as an adult, I have actually not stolen anyone's credit card. So I know she's done awful, awful things, but I legit felt so bad for Regina. Like she's so happy Henry called her and asked her to lunch. And I bet it was crushing realizing she was played. Like that was cold, Henry. Like not, not undeserved. Absolutely not undeserved at all, but still, still cold, you young, young agent of chaos. I mean, to be fair, his last main two interactions with her was her like, hostily abducting him with a tree oh yeah no no no. and then before that trying to murder his grandfather it's also kind of with a tree it's 100 deserved it's absolutely deserved to have been stood up i'm not, I'm not saying it's not I'm not like that's not. that's like that's tiddlywinks compared to that yeah i just i have this thing in tv shows when someone gets so excited and then and then they're like let down it always makes me sad no because you know like, how that so feels happy. yeah i do know yeah yeah, no, I I, I know how that feels. We all do. It's a very human experience. Mm-hmm. You're just uh, you're just sensitive to the human experience of it. Yeah. All 
All right, distract me from my sensitivity. Tell okay, me what's I was, going on I in was, the I was forest. waiting. I was waiting for you to finish. I was giving you <laughs> your time to process your your whole journey that you were having. <laughs> but back to the show. On their quest in the present-day Enchanted Forest, Mulan tells Emma and Mary Margaret that it is time to set up camp and they need to go fetch firewood. Emma asks why they are making a fire if there are ogres, to which Mary Margaret replies that ogres are blind and rely on hunting by sound and smell. Snow suggests that since Emma is out of her element, and because it is the safest place for her, it is best that Emma guards their camp while Snow and Mulan go to get water and firewood. Mother knows best, Emma. She really does. She's a badass. Please listen to her. <laughs> Back in the past, Snow White is unceremoniously tossed in the forest by the king's knights. She realizes that Lancelot is following her and ambushes him, knocking him off of his horse. She questions his desire to help her after what he has done but he insists that he did not know that the water was poisoned. He warns her that King George's men are on their way to the cabin where Prince Charming and Ruth are waiting for her arrival. At the cabin, Ruth is making it look beautiful when Prince Charming hears something and tells his mother to go inside. Charming is ambushed, but easily defeats the king's men and looks so handsome doing it. Okay, so there is a moment during this fight when Charming like leaps onto a wagon and then there's like a move that's clearly there to just show off his butt. <laughs> it's really, it's really fabulous. Like there is no reason why that move would be good in the fight. Like it's literally the equivalent of like the strong woman twist pose from like pervy comic artists. There is no reason for it. Listen, listen, you can bounce a quarter off that thing and he deserves to show it off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, hey, in the next episode, we see him pickaxing his way through the caves. So he's only in his undershirt. Yeah, yeah. So we get to finally see like those those tasty arms. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert for arms. Spoiler alert for arms. <laughs> <laughs> However, when she thinks he is in trouble, Ruth comes back out of the house and is shot by a poisoned arrow. Prince Charming tells her that everything is going to be okay when Snow White arrives with Lancelot, apologizing for not arriving sooner. Ruth happily realizes that this is Snow White, her intended daughter-in-law. Charming is so damn dashing, but his mama's hurt, and I'm so sad because I like Ruth. Also, when I enter my glorious crone years, I went to wear all of these soft linen cottagecore house dresses that Ruth is rocking. Yeah, the reveal of her being shot with the arrow is is pretty brutal. Like poor Charming, he loves his mama, and and this is this is legit upsetting. Like he did everything initially to save his mom from King George. Like that's why he went with Rumpelstiltskin way back in the Shepherd. And like King George still eventually gets to her. And I I hate King George. I hate him. I mean, he's the fucking worst. Mm. He's the worst. I think we can all agree on that. Yes. Yeah, yep, yep. Flash forward to present-day Enchanted Forest. Mary Margaret is gathering her bundle of wood when Aurora appears with a knife at her throat, claiming that Prince Philip is dead because of her. Snow flips Aurora over and pins her down, and she gives Aurora what's for, because Snow White is so badass. It's insane. She's so cool. My God, (laughs) she's so cool. (laughs) Mulan roughly pulls Snow White off of Aurora with a growl. Don't talk to her like that. When Mary Margaret objects with a very reasonable, she tried to kill me, Mulan snaps, I will deal with her. (laughs) Mulan, you better come and get your girl. Sort your wife out, Mulan. By the way, I just want to say that if, after this scene alone, viewers still believe that Mulan is heterosexual, you need an intervention. 
there's no help for people if they believe Mulan is straight. Like, come on. She's like, only I can yell at Aurora. Like, they are so, like, the princess bodyguard trope. I love it. And I'm not garbage for anything. (laughs) Winnie Houston is singing in the background of the forest (laughs) right now. She's just like perched in a tree <laughs> in her in her freaking fairy godmother outfit. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> down at them. <laughs> oh. Emma appears and seeing them all engaged in fighting, fires her gun into the air to get their attention. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick. Emma casts gun. <laughs> Emma orders Mulan to drop the knife, but Snow hisses in frustration at her daughter. An ogre's cry rips through the air, and Emma realizes that the loud gunshot has unexpectedly summoned the beast. The four women run away and split up. Emma trips over a log as Mary Margaret runs ahead, none the wiser. The ogre looms over Emma, who aims to shoot it with her gun, but the ogre knocks it from her hand and crushes it. Mary Margaret whistles to catch the ogre's attention and kills it with an arrow through the eye, because Snow White is the biggest badass in this show, and I think we need to recognize that. She's just so cool. She's so, so fucking cool. cool. So cool. Recognized. Hell duly, yeah. duly recognized. <laughs> when did you last shoot an arrow? A breathless and amazed Emma asks. 28 years ago, answers Snow White. I guess it's like riding a bike. Mary Margaret gently tells Emma to listen to her before leading them back to the camp. Emma's like, oh, maybe it's not Mulan who's the biggest badass. Maybe it's my mom. Guess I have to give my mom my red jacket. With a cute back patch that says number one mom. Yeah. (laughs) The scene switches to the past Enchanted Forest, where Lancelot examines the arrow and realizes it was poison. He claims that the poison is going to take something stronger than fairy dust. They decide to go to Lake Nostos to heal Ruth. I'm going to lose my fucking mind. The blue fairy is apparently the original power, but I feel like season two is retconning the fairies a bit to reduce and limit the reach of their powers. Like last episode, Mother Superior said she has no wand or fairy dust and therefore no magic. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm glad their magic has structure to it now. I just wish that that was established in season one. Hopefully going forward, it remains consistent. (laughs) Consistent. Who am I kidding? Ma'am, that's like hoping the Beatles will get back together and you know it. Honestly, I feel like the fairies could have done something, but they would have just refused to help. So Lancelot is just like, don't don't even bother. I feel like the Enchanted Forest hypes them up a lot more than they can actually deliver. Or I'm just saying, we're, we're missing the director's cut where Lancelot then stares a thousand yards in the distance and is just like, fucking fairies <laughs> like what's her name the blue fairy she gives the magic bean to bay but that bean is not her you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying like that bean does not come from her the bean mm-hmm. does not come from the fairies at all that's not fairy magic <gasps> they're like drug dealers of magic oh, yeah shit. That's, what, that's what i'm saying so lancelot's like you don't want to get caught up with them they're trouble stay away from fairies no like, and the blue fairy's so controlling and like that's why astrid couldn't be free she had to be yeah stay in this this cult of magic drug pushing. Oh and the God. and the and the dwarfs couldn't leave. Oh no. Because you know they can't fall in love. Oh no. Yeah. No. Lancelot's just smart and is like, no, nah, you don't want any of that shit. You don't want any Yeah, of you that. don't want to fuck with the fairies. Like yeah, he's just looking in the middle of distance and going, fucking fairies, they're, man. Like they're, just, they're, just... they're the meanest racket in this town. <laughs> if you yeah. have to do something, just call Rumpelstiltskin or something. That's not as bad. <laughs> yeah, at least at least at least you kind of know what you're getting into there. No, yeah. you do, you do. <laughs> Sets up the, the rules the bargain there's you know there's paperwork there's paperwork <laughs> right it's legally binding there's paperwork it's not just some bitch just being like oh 
you here's know. my bean i'm sure it'll be <laughs> fine <laughs> yeah. there's totally not going to be any sort of consequences mm, there were absolutely consequences yeah morgan freeman voice there were going to be consequences <laughs> isn't there something where magic like the actual magic is like used from like it's actually belongs to like magical creatures and like the humans are oh it's dragon prince yep yeah, yeah that's dragon prince that's dragon prince yeah no the <laughs> far superior better written out <laughs> <laughs> better plotted out television show but i mean i guess to be fair we last episode we were talking about like the analogy of magic yeah. for addiction so yeah yeah, yeah. oh no kind of it kind of is is a straight line to come over here from magic as an addiction or an addictive substance to being like yeah the fairies are totally drug dealers yeah yeah absolutely talking to a little kid in the forest want a bean who want my magic bean it'll take you places man it'll take first one's free places (laughs) first one's free tell your friends oh geez (laughs) on the way to lake nostos charming asked lancelot how he came to lose his place as a knight of the round table and become a sellsword lancelot replies the same reason why you're running from king george a woman while the men scout ahead, Snow dabs Ruth's feverish brow and they begin to converse. Ruth tells Snow White that she has an amulet that can tell which sex one's firstborn baby will be assigned, even if the person is not pregnant. Ruth attempts to try it on Snow, but the necklace does not move. Ruth tries to make light of it, saying that it's just a superstition. But Snow White informs her about the infertility curse. Ruth assures Snow that she, too, can drink the healing water at Lake Nostos and that Snow White will be a wonderful mother. We return to present day, or night, Enchanted Forest, where the four women approach the castle. Mulan barks at Aurora to hurry up, to which the princess complains of being improperly dressed and the chilly weather. Emma gives her her jacket to keep her warm, and god damn, Emma's guns in this scene. Holy hell. Emma's so dashing. So dashing. A friendly gesture which confuses Aurora just as much as the quote corset Emma gave her. Mulan then spots the castle across a moat, and Mary Margaret announces that they are home. At Lake Nostos of the past, Prince Charming, Ruth, Snow White, and Lancelot discover that the lake is bone dry. It's because you killed that party city siren, Charming. I'm sorry the writers did this to you, and your mom, and your lady, and your handsome Lancelot. Yeah, poor Charming. Poor Charming. Poor, poor Charming. Why must bad things happen to hot people? I mean, his butt killed Jefferson's hat. His good butt the siren. bounce a quarter off of. I mean, what a way to go, right? Yeah, I mean, there, I guess there are worse things <laughs> no. to be crushed to death by. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> but moving away from, moving away from Charming's fantastic ass. <laughs> Into the woods. <laughs> Into the woods with his, his bare ass. <laughs> <laughs> Had a great oh, callback. I hope that one never dies. But back in Storybrooke, Henry breaks into Regina's vault and figures out the secret entrance underneath Henry Sr.'s stone coffin. There are many shelves that contain hearts, which thump loudly as he passes them. He discovers an old box, but upon opening it, Agrabah vipers spring up, poised for action when the lid is abruptly slammed shut. Charming Grandpa Himbo has arrived just in the nick of time. Regina figured out Henry's ruse and called David to fetch Henry, who tells his grandfather that he was just trying to get Emma and Mary Margaret back. David says that he understands, but Henry has to go to school, and he has to make sure that nobody else discovers the vault. Look, 
I know I'm 39, but can charming grandpa himbo please be my rad dad? He is such a good dad. I love him so much. I am all about hot dad charming. He's so like 9,000%. At the lake, Lancelot searches the lake bed, trying to find any water that remained, but can only find a tiny bit in a seashell, only enough for a sip. Ruth implores Snow White to drink it to remove the curse, but Snow says maybe it's for the best since she never grew up with a mother and cannot imagine herself as one. Ruth reveals that she would rather sacrifice her own life for those of her children and that Snow White would understand this someday. Prince Charming does not know about Snow White's curse and believes that their prayers have been answered, telling Ruth to drink the water. Ruth takes the vial from Lancelot and drinks, but she tells Snow White to have faith and that they will find another way. Poor Charming is so excited in this scene because he thinks he just saved his mom. And now I'm sad. I know, poor boy. He's such a good boy. Mm-hmm. I know. Look at that dopey smile on his oh, face and everything. How can you tell that golden retriever he's not going to the park? I know. Mm-hmm. Poor sweet baby. He wants to go on a W-A-L-K. No. <laughs> <laughs> At Snow's Castle of present day, Emma and Mary Margaret enter Emma's nursery, which Emma recognizes from Henry Storybrooke. Storybook. Fucking having those two things sound so much alike. Hmm. <laughs> Aurora and Mulan go to stand watch at the gate as mother and daughter explore the remnants of the nursery. Mary Margaret reveals that she wanted to raise Emma here, teach her how to talk, walk, and dress for her first fall, but they never got the chance to be a family. Emma reminds her that they have a family back in Storybrooke that they have to get back to. You laughing at me really enunciating that because fuck it. Yes. <laughs> Storybrooke. <laughs> You can finally see everything hit snow in this scene, like realizing like every moment she's missed. And like, you see just like the weight of it lay on her shoulders and you're just like, oh. oh Yeah, it's really sad. It's really sad. (laughs) This is a sad episode, y'all. It is. It is. It is a really sad episode. Like, what the fuck? Back at the lake, Prince Charming is frustrated that Ruth is still dying. As Charming goes to search for traces of the lake, Ruth calls him back in a raspy, weakening voice. Heartbroken, Charming tries to apologize, but Ruth won't hear of it. She tells him that it's okay and says that her only regret is that she wanted to see her son get married. Snow White asks Lancelot to perform a marriage service right there, and the knight agrees. Ruth watches on from the bed of the cart as Prince Charming and Snow White marry, drinking from a cup in which Lancelot poured the remainder of his flagon's water. Just after Prince Charming and Snow White kiss, Ruth passes away. This scene is so touching and lovely, and it's made palpable by Josh and Jennifer being super in love already by now, but also so tragic because he's a soft mama's boy and Ruth is a kind and gentle mother. I'm sorry to have lost her. Pour one out for Ruth. Pour one out for Ruth. I know. It's so beautiful and they're so in love, but it's also like, oh no, your mama. Love your mama. Yeah, it's so it's so pretty and it's so tragic and like what a brutal thing to have done that like their wedding day will now be forever linked to the death of his mother. Like I didn't even think of that. Poor Charming. God, that's fucked. It's so tragic. Well, they have. I mean, they have a they have a big big they have a wedding wedding day. Yeah. Yeah, So and then they just secretly know the truth. Yeah. We flash forward again as Emma asks Mary Margaret how to activate the wardrobe, and Mary Margaret tells her that they will need to take it back to the Haven Island in the hope someone has access to enough magic to jumpstart the wardrobe. 
How the hell are we going to carry this thing? Emma inquires dubiously. With the help of an old friend, says a familiar voice, startling them. They turn to see Lancelot, who reveals he heard about the ogre attack and wanted to ensure their safety. However, he is more focused on the wardrobe and tells them it is because he wants them to get back to Charming and Henry. Snow nods before quickly drawing a sword on the knight, claiming that this person is not Lancelot, as Emma only told one person about Henry, and that was Cora. Cora turns back into herself and explains that she killed Lancelot and took his place a long time ago, as the survivors would not have otherwise followed her. He does a really good job of channeling Barbara Hershey in this moment. Like, he's definitely speaking like that Cora speech pattern, like her rhythm, her inflection, which, which is great. I mean, I'm, I'm really angry uh, that they had Cora kill him off screen or, you know, kill him at all. But he did do a great, great bit of acting there. Like, you could definitely tell that that was Cora in his skin. So, oh, no, boy did a great job. It's not his fault that the writers fucked him. Yeah. Yeah. And we should be angry about it. And oh, we yeah. Whoa, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. it's yeah. horseshit. Horseshit. Absolutely horseshit. But anyway, as we continue to be disappointed in this show. <laughs> Mary Margaret attacks, but Cora uses her magic to put her aside, pinning her to the wall. Apparently forgetting what literally just happened to her mom, Emma tries to attack, but Cora easily binds her. Cora then reveals she wishes to see Regina and meet her grandson, sparking Emma to utilize the gunpowder from her bullets, managing to burn the wardrobe so that Cora can't get through it. When Cora attempts to redirect the fireball at Emma, Mulan intervenes and Cora disappears. When everyone is safe again, Emma announces that she has gotten rid of their only way home. This wardrobe is fucking huge. And that fire initially, not that big. <laughs> it's just like quietly, peacefully crackling, like in a little alcove. And I'm just like, fucking find something to smother it. God damn it. These bitches just stand there like, well, I guess we're stuck here forever. Meanwhile, the wardrobe takes probably like hours to burn. <laughs> well, I think Emma's intention, regardless of Cora quote unquote leaving, since we all know how that actually turns out, was still to make sure the wardrobe burned because Cora knows that it's here now and she could just come back for it. So she Not could true. just come for Henry as soon as their backs returned. And Emma wasn't having that. She wasn't having that psychotic harpy coming for her boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was definitely Emma's intention to burn that thing to the ground. She was not taking chances. She was like, I can't. I think she literally said something like, I can't let her get to Henry. So like, yeah, uh, that's true. Well, that's true. You saw yeah. the look in Emma's eye when like Cora like has the really creepy, I really want to meet mm -hmm. Henry line. And Emma was like, like, fuck, oh, that's gonna yeah, happen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She's like, oh, fuck no. She was like, no. I'll kill you. Interesting I thing <laughs> that I just thought of right now. Emma never explains the situation with Henry and Regina to Cora. Cora probably just assumes they're a couple. Yeah. <laughs> Considering like all she knows about is Emma being like, yeah, we share a son. And Cora just kind of goes, bokeh, when Emma says that. Yeah. So she's probably just like, oh. Or it's like, oh, all right. All right. Moms. Okay. All right. I mean, Regina can do worse. Look <laughs> at you with those arms. <laughs> but she is probably worried because you know emma's not an easy to control wet blanket like uh king leopold that's, apparently that's true was she'd be like oh there can only be one and clearly this one wears the power suit in this family uh, i'm sure they take turns <laughs> hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Back in the enchanted forest that was, Prince Charming is seen burning a candle in his mother's memory. Snow White says that she is sorry that he has no family left, but he tells her that he still has her and one day they will have children. He then shows her the amulet and repeats the legend of its power. Snow White tries to refuse, but once over her hand, to Snow White's surprise, the amulet starts swinging. I love this part because Snow White's just like, we're going to have a baby. And Charming gets this absolutely panicked look like, damn hell, we ain't even done it yet. And I love it. I love this beautiful, stupid man so much. <laughs> yeah, he's like, did we did we have sex and I just forgot? Oh no, I I am a himbo. How would We're I forget right. that? How would <laughs> I forget? <laughs> Was it all the times that we kissed? Is that how you make a baby? How you make, you a, make baby? a baby by smooching? Oh, poor Charming. He's so pretty. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> just, well, he's pretty. And he tries so hard. My God, does he try. He's very heroic. Mm-hmm. He is. Mm-hmm. He's a wonderful man. He he has much to make up for the fact that he he's a himbo. lacking in brains. Mm-hmm. He a himbo. We love a himbo. We, he's a himbo. We, we love a himbo. We love a himbo. We love a himbo. Snow White is happy, but won't tell Charming which sex the amulet predicted. Ecstatically, Charming says he's going to send a signal to their waiting army to regroup and that they will soon take back their kingdom together as a family. This fucking golden retriever of a man. You just want to scratch him behind the ears and rub his belly and tell him that he's a good pupper. Because he is a good pupper. (laughs) Snow saunters over to Lancelot and says that she knows that Ruth had only pretended to drink the healing water so that Snow White could have it. She accuses him of putting the healing water in the wedding chalice she drank from in the wedding ceremony. But Lancelot says that he does not know what she is talking about. Lancelot is like, I don't know what you mean. I'm just over here being hot, ma'am. <laughs> His smile is so handsome. I just want Lancelot and Snow to be BFFs forever. Like, please. Oh my God. Can you imagine like what all sorts of like shit that could get done with like grumpy Snow and Lancelot at the head oh. of an army? Oh my God. So and and uh, would Red too. Chance. Yeah, those four and Red too. Mm-hmm. And Red, oh, yeah. yeah. It's like a Lord of the Rings, but like the Enchanted Forest version. He then asks her what her baby will be, and Snow White reveals the baby will be assigned a girl. Back in the present day, the four women are discussing Cora's treachery and how brave Lancelot was before his murder. Mary Margaret tells Mulan that they need to tell the survivors that Lancelot died a heroic death, and Mulan suggests that Mary Margaret becomes their leader. Mary Margaret is honored, but tells her that she cannot because she needs to get back to Storybrooke. Mulan and Aurora vow that they will help them. Emma and Mary Margaret then have a heart-to-heart talk about the past. Emma reveals that she was so angry for so long, but after seeing the tattered remains of what was supposed to be her life, she realizes that her parents sacrificed everything for her safety. Emma begins to break down as she confesses she is not used to anyone putting her first, prompting Mary Margaret to embrace her. After their hug, Emma shyly walks out of the nursery. Snow picks up her bow and quiver of arrows and looks one last time at the nursery. We see her vision of what it should have been. Light, airy, perfect in every way, with a happy baby gurgling in her royal crib. Jennifer and Jennifer are so good in this scene, like hitting me right, right in all my feelings. Emma finally realizing how Snow felt because she too just destroyed her chance of going home in order to keep Henry safe. She knows, like... 
why Snow did the same. She realized that she would rather not be with her child if that meant her child would be safe. And ugh, it's so good. And uh, Emma's crying especially got to me. I'm like, oh mm-hmm. no, Emma, please come here. Let me give you a hug too. Oh, you're so sad. It's a really good scene. These two are just amazing scene partners together. I mean, I, I still maintain that I think that they are the beating heart of the show. Absolutely. Yeah. After they have left the nursery, Cora reappears and puts some of the ashes of the wardrobe into a small bottle. In Storybrooke, Jefferson waits for Grace at the school bus stop. After she exits the bus, Jefferson nervously takes a step forward and calls her name. She comes to a stop and turns before running to fiercely embrace him, hanging on to him for dear life. With tears of relief in his eyes, Jefferson hugs her back and carries her off. Oh no, I'm so weak for this soft goth dad. So precious. I know, I love him just like picking her up and just like walking down the street with her, like presumably, you know, going home. It's so sweet and I'm, I'm so happy for goth dad. I know, I just want to be like, good for you. Good for you. Good for you. I'm happy for your kids. Meanwhile, Henry watches father and daughter reunite from inside Emma's vehicle. David raps on the window, breaking the boy's reverie to confess that he needs Henry's help in finding Emma and Mary Margaret. David then reveals two wooden swords he purchased to begin Henry's sword lessons. Henry exits the car and the pair begin to play fight. For real though, Charming getting to be a dad and play swords with Henry is just so damn cute. Like, this is apparently just the cute dad's episode, and I am here for it. Mm-hmm. It's so cute. I love it. I love it so much. I love the part when he, like, when he first, like, gets on his knee, and then he, like, bestows the wooden sword to him. It's just the most adorable thing ever. It's so fucking cute. It is. Like, get out of here with that. <laughs> <laughs> Unbeknown to them, grandfather and son are being watched by Albert Spencer aka king george aka motherfucking caleb from the oc who needs to get the fuck out of here get wrecked king george fucking end credits <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i remember being so pumped about this episode before it aired because i loved Cinque wells and teen wolf and i i don't know if i misread an article or whatever but like i thought he was going to be a regular and so i was i was super hyped and then i was like uh you know he was killed off dumbly in teen wolf and it made me angry but now he's gonna be in once in a time as lancelot and i love lancelot and i'm so excited and then he was literally killed off screen it's so disappointing Stop bringing this beautiful man onto your shows just to kill him off for no good reason. He's too pretty for this horseshit. Yeah. Stop casting beautiful men as Lancelot only to kill them. I know. I'm looking I at agree. Santiago Cabrera, who I love with my whole heart. Looking at you, Merlin. Santiago. I'll never be over. Also, what? also who? a hot, hot Lancelot. Oh, have you ever seen Merlin the series? No, not yet. Oh, the Lancelot in that is played by Santiago Cabrera, who is beautiful Beautiful. underlined beautiful beautiful Beautiful. man i will i will send you i will send you i send you a picture okay thank you i share this beautiful man because everyone should look upon him and go oh my god yeah i i was really upset that like his death was just a throwaway line yeah yeah like a very careless like oh i killed him just like oh yeah no he's dead it's like it's like that is that fucking it like, we just established he's, like, one of Snow's, like, oldest comrades and shit. Like, total integral part of he married her Snow story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if he fucked off back to Camelot and, you know, wasn't obviously in, like, the last fight and shit. It's like, I don't know. I'm just disappointed. 
Yeah. But then again, that's not a new feeling for me in this show. Yeah. Oh. No. No. Yeah. Besides that, and the the icky woman's life and value is a uh, all to mm. give birth plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So so those those things those things are some low points. Uh, but besides them. The rest of it's pretty solid. Um, it has some really great character moments in it. Uh, yeah. in, in all three plot lines, uh, definitely gives me a lot of feeling. There's these wonderful scenes and wonderful sequences. And I love Jefferson and Henry. Henry being able to actually like help. I love Henry and Charming bonding. I love Emma and Snow and just Snow going through all this, like realizing how much she actually missed and like standing in this place of her like great trauma where she, you know, had to give up her child and held her dying husband in her arms and just like brutal. And then Snow and Charming's wedding, but then the heartbreak of Charming and his mom and just Lancelot being so handsome and, and lovely. So there's like so much good in this episode and then yeah. really bad in this episode. And it's not even like bad, like, oh, that was poorly done or something. It's just like some icky plot choices, which just happens. It happens. Yeah, some lazy, some lazy writing. Lazy writings, yeah. What lazy and, writing on Once Upon a Time? Yeah. Well, they, and you know, I I think these uh these what? chuckle fucks who wrote this episode, like if I go back in season one and look at like the ones that they wrote, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna find a pattern. I was gonna say what episode? What other episodes did they write? Aren't they? Oh, they wrote role? a ton. Uh, no. Here I can tell you where they what they wrote. Oh no! I just saw one of the one they wrote. The They're, Shepherd. Fruit of the poisonous tree. Fruit of the Poisonous Tree. Oh, fucking so, course they did. Oh, yeah. no. Hey, guys, the the both one with, with... But they also did Heart of Darkness. Oh, that, that one's a good one. They're oh, hidden. you know, a, a broken clock is right twice a day. Oh, <laughs> and The Stranger. Yeah. Yeah, these guys are very, very hit and miss. Very hit and miss? Very hit and miss. Okay. Costumes. Costumes. I love, love, love Snow White's flashback outfit. It's one of the best Snow White outfits for sure. Yeah, Snow White's flashback outfit is legitimately one of my favorite of her costumes. Like, it's it's gorgeous. Like, if I bring back cosplaying Snow, this is the costume I'm making myself first. I love it so much. It's so good. It's so sharp. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, it's classy. It's classy. It's so nice. Yeah. It's a perfect costume for her, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Like the silhouette is so good. Yeah, I really like it as well. I'd love that. Is it, I'm like looking, I'm looking at photos of it right now. Is it, it's a jacket like over it. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. that jacket. Yeah. It's like, it's like a long, a long like duster coat with like a top underneath it and then like riding pants and some sexy boots. But like the thing is, it's like tails, like tuxedo tails. Mm-hmm. It's not like the duster part is only in the back, not the front. The front has like a mm-hmm. little, little yeah, they're thing. Like, little, like peplums. Yeah. And that's what I like about it a lot. It's good. It's classy. Yeah. It yeah. is very nice. It's a nice little mashup between like a like princess dress and like a prince costume, like ready for action. Mm-hmm. Like it's this really nice lady prince get up. So pretty. Yeah. And I like that. Like it's kind of like you're, you're peekabooing her chemise, I'm assuming. Like, mm-hmm. But like at the shoulders i'm not gonna dare say it's historically accurate but it is oh of course not no but because i mean what are we basing it off of right because it's mm-hmm. not it's not our history but yeah, it's, it's fantasy but it has like these beautiful elements to them i like ruth's beautiful i don't know if it's like supposed to be hemp or linen but it's it's very like soft and flowy and just really got like that like good witch of the forest kind of vibes that yeah. i 
mm-hmm. I very much enjoy right now in my life. <laughs> yeah, she has some real cottage core vibes going. Really hardcore. Exactly. I know. I also really dig Lancelot's armor. Not into the helmet in the first scene, but the rest of the look is really nice. And Jefferson looks very soft being a, a sad goth dad in his scarf. I mean, he always looks good. Mm-hmm. So guess what? It is time to play Who's That Guest Star? In which we talk about recurring cast members and guest stars. In season two, episode three, we have Cinqua Walls as Sir Lancelot. Louisiana-born Cinqua Walls has enjoyed success on the small and big screens alike in titles such as Friday Night Lights, Shark Night, The Secret Life of the American Teenager, Teen Wolf, Resort to Love, and American Soul. All right, so it's time to take a journey through the dried up lake that's once upon a timeline. (laughs) Oh, wow, babe. That, that hurt. Yeah, that was... right, yeah, do you need some ice for that stretch you just did? <laughs> That's pretty painful. Pretty painful. All Sound right. like it hurt. <laughs> so uh, this episode flashback takes place sometimes after the flashback in season one, episode 22, On Land Without Magic. As that episode's flashback ends with the engagement of Snow and Charming, as they make a promise to win the kingdoms back from the evil queen and the villainous King George. And we begin this flashback in the midst of their quest to reclaim the kingdom. And then the flashbacks we've seen that most closely follow this episode would be season one, episode one, pilot. But of course, those flashbacks and pilot are a little spread out. So I'd say it's what follows it is specifically the formal wedding ceremony onwards. So like one, one fourth uh, into pilot. And that's it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Next time on Once Upon a Rewatch, Belle's disgust over Mr. Gold's continuing thirst for power comes to a head. Meanwhile, the dwarves pick up their axes and try to find fairy dust in the Storybrook mines. Meanwhile, back in the fairy tale land that was, Rumpelstiltskin attempts to save his wife, Mila, from being kidnapped by a band of cutthroat pirates. Thank you for tuning in to Once Upon a Rewatch. We are the Narrators 3. The moral of this episode is, don't bait us with good characters just to kill them off screen in the same episode. Bonus moral, let an old trope rest in peace. Stop. Just stop. You can find us on anchor.fm slash once upon a rewatch. Talk fairy tales with us on Twitter at once upon rewatch. On Instagram at once upon rewatch. On Tumblr at once upon a rewatch If you enjoy once upon a rewatch, please leave us a review on Apple podcasts or on your platform of choice. Our artwork for the podcast was done by Laichi Ruru. That's L-A-I-C-H-I-R-U-R-U at twitter.com. This podcast uses material from episode-specific pages on the Once Upon a Time wiki at Fandom and is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike license. And we want to say a very special thank you to the master of free music, Kevin McLeod. Our intro music is Frost Waltz, and our outro music is Fairytale Waltz. And remember, all plot devices come with a price. An unconscious Mary Margaret is taking care of Cora. Taking care of by Cora. Yeah, taking care of by Cora. No one should take care of Cora ever. Unless it's the take care of her men type I'll taking take care, care of her. her. <laughs> oh, I'll take care of her.